the posthumous essays of john Sheridan collins chapter fifteen browning and montaigne this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. chapter fifteen browning and montaigne a certain peter bunel an eminent scholar from toulouse had been staying with montaigne's father and gave him at parting a book entitled theologia naturalis written by one raymond de sabonde towards the end of the fifteenth century it was written in a jargon of latin and spanish and bunel gave it to montaigne's father because he thought it might fortify his faith at a time when the novel doctrines of luther were getting into vogue but it got mislaid till shortly before the death of the elder montaigne when it was found then he gave it to his son and asked him to translate it for him into french that he might be able to read it so young montaigne went to work and translated it this led him to dwell seriously on the great problem of the relation of faith to reason and the whole of this long essay elaborately demonstrates the utter impotence of human reason when it attempts to deal with supernatural truths in other words with the truths of christianity and the necessity of basing religion on faith and on faith alone his own position not in the essay only but in all his essays is that of an orthodox son of the church thus in the essay on prayers quote, let what i here set down meet with correction or applause it shall be of equal welcome and utility to me myself beforehand condemning as absurd and impious if anything shall be found through ignorance or inadvertency couched in this rhapsody contrary to the holy resolutions and precepts of the catholic apostolic and roman church into which i was born and in which i will die this orthodoxy he carried to an extreme for he would not even allow the words of scripture to be interpreted otherwise than the authority of the church interpreted them he went regularly to chapel and when he travelled he took every occasion to attend mass we know how little relation this submission to authority and this punctilious regard for ceremonies generally had in montaigne's time and before and since his time to vital religion but the essay on quote, prayers end quote, forbids us supposing that montaigne was not sincere how comes it then that the prince of skeptics the man who has been claimed by agnostics and even by atheists could hold with sincerity this position it is easily explained montaigne based his religion on pure simple faith and if such an expression may be allowed on the dethronement of reason but when he discussed and speculated he gave the reins to reason see he directly or tacitly said what reason brings us to when it is applied to anything i am a christian because i believe i become anything you like when i speculate investigate and inquire 
but the particular symbols in which religious belief express itself in montaigne's case the religion of the roman catholic church do not concern it the point is that religious truths are outside the scope of reason and logic appealing only to and concerned solely with that spiritual faculty or faculties which we call in our imperfect parlance faith in this essay apology for ramon de sabon he proceeds to show the utter impotence of reason that the truth discerned by it can only be relative that certainty is impossible in anything that the mind simply plunges about in shifting quagmires of opinion or to change the image is a mere kaleidoscope Quote, the most wretched and frail of all creatures is man and with all the proudest he feels and sees himself lodged here in the dirt and filth of the world nailed and riveted to the worst and deadly part of the universe in the lowest story of the house and the most remote from the heavenly arch yet in his imagination will be placing himself above the circle of the moon and bringing heaven under his feet and then he goes on to mortify human pride with all that pope has concentrated so brilliantly in the essay on man and swift so savagely and powerfully in gulliver's travels taking a comprehensive survey of what man's reason has done going through the schools of the ancient philosophers he brings out the melancholy truth that quote, our wisdom is but folly in the sight of god that the vainest of all vanities is man that the man who presumes upon his wisdom does not yet know what wisdom is and that man who is nothing if he thinks himself to be anything but seduces and deceives himself End quote. he shows how inconsistent we are with ourselves he himself he says is quite a different man with different views and different opinions at different times but i need not continue whoever would see summed up as fully and eloquently as it can be what illustrates these obvious and melancholy truths should turn to this essay what is his corollary Quote, the first law that ever god gave to man was a law of pure obedience it was a commandment naked and simple wherein man had nothing to inquire after or to dispute for as much as to obey is the proper office of a rational soul acknowledging a heavenly superior and benefactor from obedience and submission spring all other virtues as all sin does from self-opinion and on the contrary the first temptation that by the devil was offered to human nature its first poison insinuated itself into us by the promises that were made to us of knowledge and wisdom quote, ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil End quote. the plague of man is the opinion of wisdom and for this reason it is that ignorance is so recommended to us by our religion as proper to faith and obedience End quote. again quote, our strength is so far from being able to comprehend the divine height that of the works of our creator those best bear his marks and are best his 
which we the least understand to meet with an incredible thing is an occasion with christians to believe it is all the more reason that it is against human reason if it were according to reason it would no longer be a miracle if it had an example it would be no longer a singular thing tis not by mediation or by virtue of our own understanding that we have acquired our religion tis rather by the mediation of our ignorance than by our knowledge that we know anything of the divine wisdom thus montaigne shows us that not only is reason impotent to guide us to divine truth but even to throw any steady light on what we call truth in much less important things on faith then pure and simple does he base his religion and there being no medium between believing nothing and believing all he has no difficulty in accepting a religion which supported as it is by miracles and based as it is on the miraculous is an insult to mere reason and therefore he is an orthodox roman catholic rejecting protestantism which he describes as a compromise between reason and faith one great difference between montaigne and browning is of course this that while both demonstrate the impossibility of reason probing religious mystery montaigne's faith leads him to a definite conclusion and creed browning has not defined the creed at which he arrives if he does arrive at a creed at all their attitude towards the metaphysics of christianity is the same they are beyond and above reason they can be reached and apprehended only by faith in la Siaz, browning asked the question was ending ending once and always which he answers himself by fact one survival in memory as long as i live you will when i die then your memory and mine go and all that then remains will be the continuous life of the race fact two incompleteness of the individual life but does it follow from this that life will be completed elsewhere fancy may cherish this belief fact is silent can i honestly declare with dante i believe and i declare certain am i from this life i will pass into a better no i cannot i think therefore i am there is an object of my thought that is something else we will call the one the soul we will call the other god these to me are facts can i prove them no they are proved to me because they are beyond truth here we see reason breaks down on the very threshold argument even at this early stage would be impossible without a postulate by a faculty which is not reason the soul and god are then compared to a rush on a stream the rush is a fact the stream is a fact but the rush knows not whence the stream flowed from nor where it itself is going all it knows is that it is now floating down the stream i am 
does it follow that i shall continue to be the only certainty is the i on the stream the middle point cause before blank effect behind blank the only truth i can get at is relative mere surmise my own experience that is what seems truth to me then the poet goes on to show how to him merely to him with his peculiar temper and experiences the only intelligible theory of the meaning of life that it is intended as a place of probation but this mainly because of the difficulties involved in any theory proceeding on any other assumption than that it is designed with this end Quote, but o world spread beneath me only for myself i speak no wise dare to play the spokesman for my brothers strong and weak i shall vindicate no way of gods to man nor stand apart laugh be candid while i watch it traversing the human heart End quote. then in a remarkable passage he gives his reasons for believing this to be the case selecting for special argument the fact of the uncertainty of a future state being permitted to trouble us in life fancy argues on one side reason on the other fancy assumes that the immortality of the soul is certain and we have got three facts then god is the soul is and shall endure after death then reason replies die at once for a future life would be a very happy exchange for this life on earth then replies fancy i grant that the certainty of a future life must be saddled with the having to endure and live out this life then replies reason the wise man will live but be indifferent and lethargic then fancy has to make another concession man must be impressed with the incalculable importance of this life he must understand that he wins an eternal heaven or an eternal hell by his acts in this life then replies reason the freedom of the will would be paralyzed he would act virtuously simply to get an eternal reward and avoid sin simply to escape eternal punishment so we come back to where we started in this question namely that life seems to be designed as a place of probation and with regard to the other questions quote, so i hope no more than hope but hope no less than hope because can fathom by no plumb line sunk in life's apparent laws how i may in any instance fix where change should meetly fall nor involve by one revisal abrogation of them all which again involves as utter change in life thus law released whence the good of goodness vanished when the ill of evil ceased whereas life the laws apparent reinstated all we know all we know not or our heaven again cloud closes 
until lo hope the arrowy just as constant comes to pierce its gloom compelled by a power and by a purpose which if no one else beheld i behold in life so hope sad summing up of all to say sad but what else is possible how can men's individual fancies and reason guide i do not say to truth but to any sort of consistent conclusion then taking the great and famous men associated with the scene nearby rousseau diodati byron gibbon voltaire he shows the folly of supposing that fame which seems to be the guarantee for authority affords any sort of presumption of the possession of extraordinary insight into these questions what did voltaire arrive at he with all his wit all his genius all his learning all his brilliant manifold gifts all his gigantic european shadowing fame just what so many others have arrived at Quote, he at least believed in soul was very sure of god both these facts as the poet has shown before are independent of reason certainly not arrived at through it nor confirmed by it they are above and beyond logic very strikingly then but quite in a different way la siasias point to the same conclusion as the apology of ramon de sabonde both works may be easily misunderstood and be pressed into the service of scepticism and agnosticism and certainly seem in no way designed to serve the religion of which montaigne was a professed votary and which browning recognized as a god-sent revelation but we must not misunderstand them the foundations of the christian religion indeed the foundations of any true religion rest on faith which is a very complex term and indeed little more than a symbol for spiritual faculties and energies which are too sublime and impalpable for definition whereas reason enters into the sphere of religion it pertains only to its ethical sides in other words to those elements which it has in common with moral philosophy or where it touches other sides can only be regarded as a collateral support and this is why those who have attempted to bring reason to the defense of the metaphysical truths of christianity have so commonly failed even bishop butler breaks down utterly when he attempts to defend the miracles and the supernatural supports of christianity from the reason of the thing and yet as the bible says parenthesis, and as bishop butler is fond of quoting in parenthesis, quote, the spirit of man is the candle of the lord proverbs twenty verse twenty seven it may be the ally of faith but it cannot take its place it may point and even guide us to the highest truths but it cannot interpret them in the noblest verses which dryden ever wrote he described the relation of reason to faith dim as the borrowed beams of moon and stars to lonely weary wandering travellers is reason to the soul 
and as on high those rolling orbs discover but the sky not light us here so reason's glimmering ray was lent not to assure our doubtful way but guide us upward to a better day and as those nightly tapers disappear when day's bright lord ascends on hemisphere so pale grows reason at religion's sight so dies and so dissolves in supernatural light this is from religio laisi surely it is a useful service to reduce reason to its proper place and this montaigne and browning have done it may seem strange to bring in quote, caliban upon subtables in this connection this wonderfully comprehensive analogue is of course primarily intended to satirize those grossly anthropomorphic conceptions of the deity which we find in pagan and savage mythologies and also in those theologies in which he was represented not as a god of benevolence and mercy but as a god of terror not as a god to be loved but as a god to be propitiated perhaps it went further and was intended also to show how vain it is for the finite to suppose that it can comprehend the infinite how vain for man to form any more definite conception of the deity than is indicated in the famous passage in faust but the poor savage is a marvellously comprehensive symbol he also reasons and argues and on his reasons and arguments bases an elaborate natural theology drawing only on his own observation his own experiences his own instincts and feelings he deduces a theology sufficiently absurd and monstrous but is he further from the truth than more refined and cultivated inquirers who have proceeded on the same method some of his deductions are identical with those of the greeks namely the doctrine of the thonos of the jealousy of the gods others with those who have supposed that fasting votive offerings and sacrifices can appease the deity in other words with those who have conceived of god as though he were some human tyrant indeed the whole poem in evolving the arguments of this ludicrous savage is but a grotesque parody of arguments and deductions not it is true so ridiculous which have been expressed in all seriousness by philosophers and speculators caliban's theology is what it is because though he has reason and he is by no means a bad logician he has none of the faculties even in embryo which guide man to religious truth there are important points of difference between montaigne and browning browning is intensely serious and emotion and sentiment enter very largely into his treatment of those questions montaigne's interest in them seems to be merely intellectual and his tone is often such that it is sometimes difficult to see whether he is in earnest and thus it is quite easy to understand how it is that so many of his own church have disclaimed him 
how it is that so many schools of heterodox opinion have on the other hand annexed him to montaigne christianity was represented only by the church of rome in no other form did he recognize it to browning christianity was where the spirit of christ was with montaigne there could be no compromise and no distinctions the whole complicated fabric the new testament orthodox tradition the decrees of council papal authority and all that found embodiment in the dogma and ritual of his church stood or fell together to browning as need hardly be said such a conception was as absurd as it was repulsive and if he had any particular sympathy with any particular form of christianity it was with the dissenters montaigne delighted in speculation for the mere pleasure of speculation with browning speculation originated in profound seriousness and was directed to the most serious ends browning's conception of religion was a purely spiritual one in montaigne it is impossible not to feel that political considerations entered largely into his desire to defend and uphold orthodoxy a man would have much ado he writes to make me believe that the sight of our crucifixes that the picture of our saviour's piteous passion that the ornaments and ceremonious motions of our churches that the voices accommodated to the devotion of our thoughts and that emotions of the sense do not warm the souls of the people with a religious passion of very advantageous effect End quote. no doubt these differences are to be in a large measure attributed to the different ages in which they lived but what makes perhaps the greatest of all the differences between them and it is most significant is this no one ever rose from the perusal of montaigne with any new supports to faith though he exalted it so highly with any increased sense of what humanity owes to the creed for which he professed so much reverence rather perhaps with faith shaken and with the feeling that christianity has been attenuated into a sort of political system and social bulwark but to how many of us has browning sent new life-blood pulsing into the old truths for how many of us has he rekindled lights that were becoming dim and taught us to understand and feel what christianity really means End of chapter 15 Browning and Montaigne